Hi, Dave. Hi, Pierce. How are you? I'm good. It's been a while. I'm afraid it's been too long. We just went through the checklist and it was a struggle. Of course, I think we said that the last time because it had also been a while. Well, it's also always a struggle. We're new to podcasting. I I think even if we were doing it every week, which would be very burdensome, we'd uh, still have a lot of trouble getting through the original checklist. Um... Well, I think we did discover a flaw in my plan, and is that you and I are working from different checklists. My checklist is just get on the call, honestly. Okay, and I'm just responsible for all the paperwork. Well, that's kind of on brand, right? It is. It is pretty on brand. You enjoy the paperwork. Um, I like detail. I'm not sure I enjoy the paperwork. I think those might be two different things. Do you think there is a difference between paperwork and detail? Uh, Sure. I mean, paperwork is, you know, about filling out forms and stuff and taking notes Detail is, you know, making sure, you know, one little part of the universe is perfect, but that doesn't mean that the form's filled out. If you're thinking about paperwork, you're probably taking into consideration, you know, typeface and typesetting and kerning and, you know, margins and letterhead and the quality of paper you're printing on and whether it's A11 or A12 and what kind of printer you're using, whether it's a laser printer or inkjet, whether or not it's ever going to be photocopied or you need to send it off to a um, professional printer to get done. That's a lot of detail. That's paperwork. I don't think you mean A11 or A12. I think you mean A4, which is pretty close. It's close as you get in the standard uh, paper sizes to uh, 8.5 by 11. So what you do is you take A0, it's a big giant piece of paper, and you fold it in half, and you get two A1s. And if you fold the A1s in half, you get two A2s, and so on and so on. Until you get what? Uh, you mean how small does it actually get? Yeah, you can only fold a piece of paper seven times. No, this isn't about how many folds can you actually make in a piece of paper, because folding was an analogy for if you were to cut it in half. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to the uh, ISO paper sizes. I don't know if it's an ISO standard, but anyway. It's a stupid standard. It doesn't take into account physics of uh, actually folding paper. <laughs> That's when they're, when they're making this paper, Pierce, they're cutting it up. They're not folding it. It's not fold it back and forth a lot and then tear it. It's big knives. I feel like I'm that guy from the video I sent you today with the uh, the shotgun. <laughs> Very much so. Wait, except you're the shotgun user. No, no, I'm the I'm the guy on the other end of the shotgun. Oh, you're the guy who the shotgun user is shooting at. Yes, I'm very uncomfortable with your physics. Okay, so that makes two two show notes already. We need we need a link to Wikipedia, and we need a link to that video. Do you think you can find that again, Pierce? Yeah, it should be in our chat history. The other other thing we need to link to is um, the fact that you can only fold a piece of paper seven times. I'm not sure if that number's right, but I I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I might be wrong in seven times. We'll we'll link to it. Dave will link to it. And it's it seems like, you know, I'm sure that's something I've actually tried to do. That feels like a challenge I would have I would have taken on myself. Like the saltine challenge? You mean is just how many saltines you can put in your mouth? No, no, how many saltines you can eat in a minute. Something like the challenge is something silly like six saltines in a minute and it's doable, but it absorbs so much spit that it becomes very troublesome to swallow a mouthful of sawdust. Uh, I can see that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we could try that. Put that on the on the backlog. Do you think we could get a sponsorship for the week? Uh, who makes saltines? Nabisco? Nabisco, yes. Uh, big, big biscuit is going to uh, get us some money. Is that a big industry? Cracker making? Oh, I'm sure it is. Is Nabisco owned by Philip Morris? I feel like that's one of those things that's owned by Philip Morris. Um, you know, there's only one way to find out. Add it to the show notes. No, this is, this is a real-time lookup. Uh, I don't know if it was previously, but the uh, Nabisco, the National Biscuit Company... Um, headquartered in East Hanover, New Jersey, is a subsidiary of an Illinois-based 
Mondelez International. Is that a fancy Monsanto company? It's M-O-N-D-E-L-E-Z. So it's basically an international cookie. Oh, okay. It used, you know, it used to be uh, owned by Kraft until 2012. Oh, yes. Kraft is owned by Philip Morris, I believe. Go down the rabbit hole here. Uh, apparently Kraft is currently owned by Kraft Heinz. Oh, I guess I'm way off. It looks like um, Warren Buffett owns Heinz now. Oh, wow. Or... A large portion of it. Is he the majority stakeholder? Oh, this is confusing, Pierce. Um, Kraft Foods is an American grocery manufacturing processing conglomerate headquartered in Chicago, Illinois, part of Kraft Heinz. On July 2nd, 2015, Kraft completed its merger with Heinz, arranged by Heinz owners Berkshire Hathaway and 3G Capital, creating the fifth largest food and beverage company in the world, the Kraft Heinz Company. Fifth largest, wow. So the saltines, I, I would be, I can imagine they're very dehydrating for sure. Yeah, so you, you think you can do it? Um, I'm not prepared to try. It's not, a, not at the top of my list. I'm sure that'd be very compelling audio for listeners hearing you choke to death on crackers. <laughs> yeah, lots of chewing noises, some choking. We are known for our mouth noises. We had one episode that featured some, you know, cocktail consumption. Yes. I think it was like two or three cocktails. Yeah, it, it wasn't that many, but mine was very sweet. So it was way too much. Okay, well, what's going on in, what's going on in your time since we last had the podcast? What's, what's what's new in your world? Oh, let's see. I do. I had to run some errands today, which was fun. Uh, I realized that I needed to do like major maintenance on our bikes, which we're taking down to our cabin tomorrow. So I immediately started doing it at the last minute as I do. Okay. Are they, how disassembled are they? Mary's bike's back together, but I have hydraulic brakes completely taken apart and I'm waiting for the UPS guy to get here. <laughs> so, so he'll be here by nine o'clock and, uh, and then you can put some hydraulic fluid back in your, your brake system. Yeah. I'm replacing, you know, the pads and also the hydraulic fluid. I'm not sure how dot fluid works, but it seems to evaporate over time just from heating and cooling in a closed system, which I guess really is not fully closed. I guess it, it can't entirely be closed then. Yes, that's right. Like Just like anything, I don't think anything in the vacuum of space is totally closed, right? Well, would, oh, hold on. Wouldn't this, wouldn't space be the opposite? It would be maximally open? Yeah, I suppose you're right. Yes, yes, yes. Imagine you just put, you, if, if, if you took a, you know, uh, a bottle of water and you, uh, you opened it in space, it would surely have to evaporate and then, and then disperse across the universe. So what I was thinking was here on Earth, we can make vacuum chambers, but vacuum chambers really aren't vacuum sealed. They're, they're just the best we can do, right? Well, sure. Okay. And I guess you could, maybe, maybe you could try to suck out the, uh, the atmosphere in a vacuum chamber slightly faster than it you know, seeps back in. Yeah. Have you seen the one that they have down in, I think it's Alabama or Florida? for testing NASA components. It's pretty cool. Okay. It's, you know, the size of a grain silo or missile silo, somewhere they can actually put full-scale, you know, space parts, satellites and stuff like that to test. Yeah, that would be, I mean, I don't know. The last time I saw a vacuum chamber, you know, was a bell jar in science class. Did you put a feather in it? Um, I, maybe they had something set up to, you know, drop two, two objects with different masses. But what I'm imagining is, you know, getting a, a marshmallow to ex- expand or like a like a marshmallow peep or something like that yeah you know vacuum chambers have always kind of fascinated me just like sources of perpetual energy like you know fusion and stuff like that where the closer you get to the ideal end goal like perpetual energy or complete vacuum the more energy expenditure and heat you're producing and that it becomes eventually too cost prohibitive even like venture down that road 
I, I've always thought that was really interesting from an engineering. Well, I mean, that's why there isn't perpetual motion. So I'll buy that. Well, or a perpetual energy. Yes. Like starting a fusion reaction takes a lot of energy. <sighs> More than we've thus far been able to get out of it. Yes. Those, those sorts of engineering problems have always kind of been strange outliers to me that I've always been fascinated by. Just like conspiracy theories, just things that are oddities and the normal world. Oh, what are you doing with uh, losing all your QAnon spectating ability on Twitter? I'm not losing it. I've, I've just been following the reporters reporting on it, and they're all actually doing a really incredible job of reporting on the phenomenon of what the what this movement's been. The Daily Beast, um, well, there's a reporter there named Will Sommer, and he released a new article about how one of the most influential QAnon uh, online personalities is actually a convicted felon for bank robbery. Of course. And he was sicking his followers onto Chrissy Teigen to harass her because apparently somehow she's trafficking children. I guess between a bunch of reporting and also Chrissy Teigen complaining to Twitter because she has a large social platform. Right. That kind of brought the band hammer down on a whole bunch of these people. And hopefully none of them are listening because I don't want the, the uh, harassment or influence from them. Oh, that's true. We have to be careful. You know, all of our, uh, yeah, everyone picking up our podcast feed is going to be um, coming to find us now. Maybe we don't put that in the show notes. <laughs> okay, we'll leave that part out of the show notes. Or somehow find a way to, you know, make it not a link. You can type it into your browser yourself. Don't add us. <laughs> but okay, so you're reporters. So if they can't report on the crazy QAnon stuff... In Twitter, they must be finding QAnon activity elsewhere on the internet, right? Is Q, has QAnon's activity moved? Or it's always been in 4chan or 8chan or whatever? 4chan and 8chan are the big things, or 8kun now, which is the Russian-hosted version of it. So there's probably no geopolitical influence placed on it because why would there be for sowing discord you know, in U.S. politics? That aside, um, Facebook is, also, is probably the largest conveyor and also the uh, largest influence for radicalizing United States is. And Facebook hasn't made a, a real public statement on it, or they haven't even acted on it, uh, like at the platform level. So QAnon's still healthy on Facebook is what you're saying? Yeah. And it, it's crazy if you um, look into how the algorithms work, a whole bunch of the reporters have, you know, set up fake accounts and that sort of thing. And gone completely down the rabbit hole of getting into the movement. But the algorithms keep perpetuating it so if you you follow one thing it you really are doubling down on it and it's really you know it's it's a brain worm or it's infectious to people's mental health preying on people who you know they want to find reason for the way things are and it seems like a really convenient conspiracy theory that you know celebrities and the government are conspiring against them to make their lives worse which is sad it's it's very predictable that so many people fall for it, but unfortunately, it's so outlandish that uh, it, it's harming people's personal relationships. It's it's absolutely insane. I guess I'm sorry that those people are so hard up that they're looking in what I would see would imagine is such a fa- unlikely situation as 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 the cause of my problems. I don't know. It it's not something I can relate to. I guess, but um, to me, to me, it all just seems absurd. No, but one of the things that um, I find the worst part of the whole thing is the people who are in it to make money off of it. There's a lot of people who, you know, have fallen into it, but there's a lot of people who stepped into it willingly, knowing that they could make a dollar off of it, like a multi-level marketing or a pyramid scheme. Right. So so these people have some, uh, let's say, out of normal ideas, and and they can just, and they can prey on those ideas and like sell them a product that's going to somehow 
protect them from, you know, the 5G network or, or whatever the current, you know, uh, enemy is. At face value, how crazy is it to think that 5G radio waves are causing COVID-19? It's a radio wave. It's something that we get blasted from by the sun every day. It's shooting through our bodies 24-7 right? Even at night, even at night, we're getting uh, bombarded by it. It's crazy. Like it, it defies logic if you break it down to the, the pure parts, but that's not what it's about at all. It's finding reason to be unhappy with your surroundings. And that's the sad part. Yeah. I mean, I guess I, we could try to point them to the science of, of, you know, how, you know, cellular, you know, telecommunications work, but the fact that, you know, it's not that different from, you know, the signals that are currently out, or were previously out there and, and they want to blame it on this, this new label, right? Oh, this, this sort of thing's been going on for, for, I don't know, decades, I guess. Have you ever followed along with the whole conspiracy about UFO abductions and that sort of thing and potentially how people who claim they're abducted by aliens really live under power lines or something like that that's causing probably not since um we talked about it not that long ago at work i guess what was it unsolved mysteries or something was the tv show in the oh that was one I of guess them in, in the 80s that that's that's the la- that's my last exposure to that oh there there was also a show called sightings which i highly recommend that was one of the best shows ever made but none of it was true researchers were speculating that um you know electromagnetic inf- interference will cause abnormal dreams or lucent dreams in a lot of ways. I mean, I'm sure that there's potentially something there. There might be a there there in terms of how the brain works that we don't really understand. A whole bunch of people in the 90s before cell phones and cameras were prevalent claiming, you know, all sorts of crazy things. The Oakham's razor of the whole thing was, well, they kind of made that up. They wanted to believe in something and they wanted to feel important and they wanted to feel special in some way or another and the lack of evidence and the proof that they were never able to provide were all just a means of getting national exposure because there are so many shows catering to paranormal and you know cryptid mythology and that sort of stuff right and that that's you know that's well before peak tv and um you know you had to sit through the commercials and everything no dvrs so did you watch the alien autopsy that was just like a like a special event television thing yeah fox got the rights to air the show called alien autopsy it was claimed to be a real alien corpse that they were autopsying autopsying on tv right and of course uh well actually what's what's your impression of did did something come out about how it actually worked or oh it was it was complete horseshit it if you look at stills on like google like images it looks so rubbery and they we, we it only worked because we didn't have hd television oh absolutely yeah and i guess it was weird back in the 90s as a kid specifically i'm sure adults at the time were like oh this is all this is all silly or you're a crackpot living in a cabin typing up letters to the government being like yeah they're holding this back it was obvious but at the same time i guess i was maybe 13 I was like, wow, that would be really cool if that really were. And there's more to the world than what we're being led to believe. Ever since conspiracy theories of that sort of thing have always captured my imagination in a, well, that's kind of fun, but tragic sort of way. <laughs> well, I I, uh, I want you to be careful, Pierce, that you don't fall into any of these things, right? Oh, I as, want to. As so. you enjoy observing them, don't get too close to the edge. Oh, you don't believe in chemtrails? <laughs> no, no, I don't. That's how they're controlling us. <laughs> I don't feel controlled. You don't think so? Would you know? Would you f- Would you know you were controlled? Well, that's an interesting point, right? 
if they were doing a good enough job of controlling me, maybe they wouldn't know. It's like the Matrix. It's like the Matrix. You know, Neo doesn't realize he's in the Matrix until, um, uh, what's his name? Morpheus. Morpheus, um, I guess, contacts him or whatever. Well, that's unclear. Was it? No, it was uh, Karen Moss's character, Trinity. I think she first contacted him. And sent him down the rabbit hole. Well, wasn't she? She was the white rabbit or something that he follows or something. Yes. But like, doesn't he get an email or something? Oh, he he's sitting in his apartment, you know, in front of his twenty-one inch CRTs, which were fucking baller at the time. <laughs> and I think there was a like, I don't know, who who knows what he was in? Maybe IRC or, you know, Usenet group or whatever. And I, no, it must have been an IRC or a chat-like capability because Usenet, Usenet was very static. Anyway, long story. So he was online in a chat room. Yes. Not AOL because there's no keywords. Yeah. So it said, follow the white rabbit. And then the, uh, the weird goth drug dealer folks showed up at his door and said, hey, you want to go do some mescaline? And he, and he goes off story, gets started. Yeah. Do you ever think back on why his mouth got glued shut when he was in the interrogation room? I always thought that was a strange thing, a strange uh, scene from the entire Matrix that was not consistent with reality or like the rest of the series well what do you mean not consider the, the i mean he wasn't that was he was in the matrix when that happens right so he's in the virtual environment and so if the if the environment makes him think that his mouth is getting you know closed over then that's what he perceives right so maybe it's either because he doesn't want to speak right because he's being interrogated right by agent smith no but if agent smith and the rest of the agents had that power over folks in the matrix why couldn't they just make all the rest of the resistors in the Matrix just turn into stones or something like that? I suspect it's a plot hole amount of effort required. No, no, I think that there, you know, there are only so many supervisory programs, you know, going around, you know, making sure the Matrix because it's a simulation, right? So there could be code running amok, you know, somewhere, anywhere, right? And then you have the Agent Smith programs or whatever going around trying to attend to that. But I suspect that there's so much. Uh, corruption or whatever neo-like self-aware behavior going on that you can't you can't stomp it all out at once yeah but i I just don't understand why that sort of thing never occurred in the rest of the movies it was just dropped after it happened in the first movie so you're saying that the agents never had any control over another person's physical like manifestation yeah they they couldn't commit any sort of uh you know body dismemberment or like dis well, who, disconfiguration who, who, or something like that who were the i mean who do you want them to do that to some other you know pawn just going about their day or or some other you know you know title named character we're interacting with because all the people we know you know they're aware of what's going on and then once neo becomes aware you know of how to use his powers or whatever to affect the contra- construct of the matrix he has enough power to prevent the agent programs from affecting him in the same way i think that's the difference in the scene where carrie Ann moss was piloting the helicopter turning point of the movie where they rescue morpheus why didn't they just turn her hand into like a rock that drove the control stick to crash the helicopter that would have ended everything well because because she's an advanced user of the matrix right she's strong enough to not you know, allow some, you know, the other program from to affect her. I don't know. I don't know if that's true. Well, I, it appears there's nothing for me to prove to you here. I don't, I don't know. That's, I mean, maybe I've not analyzed it as carefully as you, but I, I got the impression that, you know, they were power users, you know, and, you know, had good matrix foo and, and then could use it to their advantage. Right. And then the, 
the only option the Matrix had, I don't know, I guess the Matrix itself, or I don't know, is it really ever explained who's who's controlling the Matrix? But anyway, the only option would would be to like reboot the whole thing, wipe it out and do it over again, which I think in um, in the later movies is kind of what they allude to have happening previously, right? That's true, but this is why I believe the Matrix really didn't happen. It's not real. Okay, fair enough, Pierce. It's not real. Because it's a movie. Have I told you that story about my mother? Um, your mom thinks The Matrix is real? No, it was back in, you know, 2001 or whatever. Two years after it came out, it was finally on HBO. And then HBO was playing it nonstop. You know how HBO will do that with their popular movie. Sure. So one night after dinner, it came on at like 8.30 or 9 o'clock or whatever. And we put the movie on. And about 30 minutes in the movie, my mom goes, what's going on? This doesn't make any sense. And I tried to explain the plot to her. And she goes, why would they make a movie like that? That's not real. I'm like, that's all <laughs> movies. 100% of the movie industry. Uh, it's like 99% of the movie industry. Sure. No, no, but even a biopic or a document, not a documentary, but, you know, like a movie about a specific time period. They make stuff yeah. up to make the movie interesting. So had your mom never seen a movie before at all? Has she never seen a seen a movie? This was her first experience. No, she's seen. What, what happens when she watches TV? Oh, that's a different experience that I don't want to get into. That sitcom isn't happening in my living room. I don't know. I don't understand what's going on there. Oh, I don't. I don't know if my mom ever has ever seen a sitcom. But she she tunes into a very specific uh, channel that airs grievances. I see. But anyway, that that was me trying to explain the Matrix to my mom, and it did not go over well. Uh. Did you just agree to disagree or just stop trying to, you know, explain it to her? It was fine to leave her a little bit confused. Did she continue to watch the movie? Maybe that's what matters. Did, did she watch it to the end or did she like leave the room and go do something else? She continued to watch the movie and then she debated about whether or not the scenes in the movie actually happened. Okay. We, we were physically seated in front of the same movie, but we saw two different things. <laughs> So needless to say, she didn't seek out the uh, the sequels. Oh no, no, that that is not something that would that would have ever been a thing. Do you, Pierce, do you think it was a problem because it was a science fiction movie? Has she like you mentioned like a like a period piece? Like if she was to watch you know um, some historical drama or something, would would she at least understand that that was representative of a possible thing that took place in the past? Oh no, she she likes some sci-fi movies. She liked Star Wars. Okay, likes Star Wars, but doesn't wonder. How the force works. So apparently that's real. Okay. I don't know. Space magicians, good. Computer reality's bad. Old man living in the desert by himself preys on young kid to show him his lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. <clears throat> um, well, the only the only story I have about my mom uh, of late, I guess, is um, uh, I guess I've tried to take advantage of this time. Okay, so I heard a podcast advertisement. Uh, for uh, a business that uh, will send you a box and you put stuff in a box and send it away. What's in the box? And they digitize those things. They digitize those things. You could put your wife's head in the box. They digitize those things. Wait, 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 wait. wait. What else can you put in the box? What if I cut a hole in it? Don't do that, Pierce. <laughs> anyway, so in this particular case, uh, we're gonna we're gonna send off uh, like two thousand slides mm. uh, individually that were. Well, no. See, that's the thing. So let's say we have two thousand slides. These are 35 millimeter slide, uh, kind of like, okay, back in the olden days before digital cameras, we took pictures that exposed film, that film produced a negative image. And in order to produce a print, you shown low, you, sh you would shine light through the negative 
and you would um, expose uh, a photographic paper and then you get a positive version of the picture. And so that is what you would go to the, you know, drugstore and pick up, you know, days, a week later after you dropped off the film or something. Of course, I guess there were one hour photo places. Well, anyhow, so the if you didn't want to get prints that you had to like put in a photo album or whatever, and you wanted to like show these pictures on a large screen at home, you could get slides made. So I guess you kind of make something the same size as the negative, but you make a positive image. It takes the negative of the negative. Yeah. Yes, it makes a positive thing the same size as as the the negative exposure. And I guess it's, I don't know, I think uh, I had my mom measure these things. I think they're like, let's say it's an inch and a half square. I was going to say an inch and a half square. But do you remember the uh, the things that you could uh, put up to your eyes? And it was like a cowboy suit. A Viewmaster. Yes. A Viewmaster, yes. Could you modify one to actually fit slides into it? Because that'd be pretty cool. No, I think the the frames in the Viewmaster are smaller oh, okay. than uh, than in a 35 millimeter slide. So anyway, we have these 2,000 slides, and we're going to put them in a, these boxes. It's going to take like four bo- two or four boxes or something from the company to send them away. And one of the frequently asked questions is, do I get them back in order? And the answer is no, you don't get them back in order. That way you can sort through them uh, evenly in even time. Yeah. Or fair you're supposed time. To, uh, <laughs> you're supposed to package them up, and it, the way they charge it is per 25 things. So we're going to have to put 25 slides in a Ziploc bag and put a barcode on that Ziploc bag and put that Ziploc bag in the box. The slides, as they're in my mom's house right now, are totally ordered, perfectly ordered, you know, from first slide to 2,000th slide. And we're going to send them all away in, I don't know, do the math for me, Pierce. Let's say... Uh, two days. 80, 80 Ziploc bags or something. So we're going to get 80 sets of things back that are randomly ordered. So within each group of 25, I know that it's the first set of 25, the second set of 25, and so on. But I want to be able to reorder each of those 25 things. And all I'm going to get back, so when they t- when they send you back the digital image, right? we're going to get the originals back also, but they're going to send back 25 files that only include the picture part, right? On the piece of cardboard that holds the photographic slide material, there's my grandmother's handwriting, which I find difficult to read, you know, and the date and whatever. Do you think it was the pen? I think I think it was the pen. It was probably she was using a bad pen. Yeah, her handwriting was difficult to read because the pen was too big. Uh, very likely, very likely. She had it. She was using a uh, off-brand pen, and I think that really impacted the handwriting. So, what are you going to do? You- anyway, so hold on. Let me let me let me finish this story, Pierce. I know you hate how long a story takes. So, no, no, I'm entertained by how long it is because I have a solution for you. My mom, my mom is taking pictures with her iPad, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like a tourist might use an iPad. So she's she has a she has like a slide photo boxy thing whatever like a inclined it's like a light bright except you it has little shelves you put the slides on. Oh, I have that theme song stuck in my head now. Do you remember those commercials? <laughs> uh, for the light bright. Um, okay, so we have twenty five slides. I need a picture of them. The problem is we can't fit all twenty five slides and get my mom to take a decent picture of it at the same time. So we're taking a picture of fifteen slides and then a picture of ten slides. And so I'm getting, e- I'm receiving emails from my mom presently uh, with pictures of slides. And then she replies to those emails with a list of the captions as she's transcribed them from my grandmother's handwriting. And also my mother can't see very well. So it's, it's quite an ordeal. It's working out well. Uh, I hope so. I have a lot of de- data entry to do with, uh, from the email. Have you thought about trying to um, set up a light box that you put the slides onto 
and you take a photo of each slide and create a QR code with the image and then invent a robot that correlates you know, the slides based on the QR code and the sequence in which they're they're part of. Because that'd probably be pretty easy. I think you could maybe do that over the weekend. I'm confused. So you want me to take a good enough picture of the slide yes. so that I can do some kind of image recognition to identify which slide is the professional picture they took of the slide yes. that I'm paying for? Well, no, 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 no. You, uh, you take a picture of the slide, you take the image and you, uh, you take the raw, you know, the raw bits or raw bytes, and you generate a QR code for it, and then you okay. And what do I do with that? You print out two thousand tiny little like paper paper triangle things or paper square things okay. that you then glue onto each slide. Okay, but Pierce, the problem is and then you, the problem here no, you're is saving time. that the part of the slide they take a picture of with their professional equipment is the transparent part, not the cardboard on the outside. No, no, I'm not. I'm not concerned about that. I'd have to obscure. I'd have to obscure the thing I want to like uh, preserve here with a sticker, and I'd get a bag a picture of barcodes. <laughs> no, no, when you when you get the bag of slides back, your your camera then scans the barcodes or the uh, QR codes, and then sequences them with the robot arm to put them back in order. No, it's. <laughs> Physically putting the slides back in order is not the problem. I don't know what your problem is. Identif- okay. Well, your QR code could identify it too. Okay. I, 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 I think I think we're uh, we're we're discussing this orthogonal. I don't think so. Just send them a bag of QR codes. <laughs> could you please send me back this bag? <laughs> they just send you a bunch of scanned QR codes. That'll be a thousand dollars. Um, that's that's not what I'm hoping for, Pierce. <laughs> That'd be a terrible idea. <laughs> So how long do you think this is all going to take? Um, oh, gosh. I guess, let's see if I can, let me take a quick look at my email here and see if I can uh, discern where we are. We're on box G right now. What letter of the alphabet is G, Pierce? It's after F. So it's 17? No, K is 17, I think, because that's halfway through-ish. Okay, well, let's imagine, imagine if we were using hexadecimal. A through F, right? Is F not the... M M is uh seven. no M is thirteen. Sorry, I don't know. You're that's way more. I think F is seven, so G is eight. I don't know. This is compelling audio. We're not good at uh, letters or alphabets or numbers. All right. Well, anyway, the most recent email I have from my mom says box G, column two, slides eleven through twenty-five. All right. And I think that um I don't I don't know I don't know how many boxes we're getting. So I guess that's not very helpful at all. What are the columns? But she. Uh, I think there are five or six, looks like there are six columns per box. So box F stopped at column six. No, no, but what are the columns? Do you organize all 25 photos into a grid? Is that what the, you do a matrix with them? Oh, so like, no, in, imagine in the box, um, have you ever been to a, a fancy restaurant where they bring out a box of tea or something, right? So it's a shallow box. And it has a bunch of little compartments. Little dividers between the columns. Yeah. So imagine you had a rectangle and you divided it into, what if we decided, six columns? If you stacked up all the tea bags or slides in each of those columns, there are 25 slides per column, six columns wide in each of these boxes. I would have gone more with like playing cards or, um, you know, game cards or something like that. If you ever collected cards. Oh, well, you mean like magic or something? I have no experience there. You have no magic experience? Uh, no close close hand magic, no sawing women in half magic, and no magic the gathering. That's right. What about regular sawing people in half? Uh, you mean non-women? 
or non-magical women. Like practical experience. Um, none of that either. Well, that's good. That That's illegal. No, that would be wrong. Oh. Yeah. You sure? I'm confident. I'm confident. We should not saw people in half. Okay. Well, good. Except, except pretend to saw people in half in magic tricks. I guess that's okay. Although it doesn't really, you know, interest me. I think you're going to have some things to work on then. What? My magic tricks? I mean, not sawing people in half. No, I, which I just said that I don't saw people in half. No one should saw people in half. Except magicians who are only pretending to saw people in half. The viewers can't see you keep winking. Uh, <laughs> Pierce, I'm not winking. There's no winking. Uh-huh. No winking. Well, no winking. good luck with kicking that habit. <laughs> I don't know. Where were we? Um, I was telling a very long story about slide scanning. Oh, yes, the columns. And how I'm almost doing as much work as scanning them myself. You didn't buy the, like, extremely expensive slide scanner, so you're actually coming out ahead. Um, well, I don't know. I didn't I didn't look beyond Amazon, but Amazon didn't really have anything that impressed me. I think the most expensive Amazon thing was about $300. I, I haven't looked in a long time, but actually having a good slide scanner is quite expensive. I think you have to be above, you know, $1,000 or something like that. You, you essentially have to buy a camera with specialized slide capability. Sure, it's a it's going to be a camera with something that can, you know, mount the slide exactly at the focal point or focal distance of the lens and have, you know, perfectly even illumination behind the the slide. Yeah, so I think you're coming out ahead. That's not something you need to actually store in your house, Dave. No, I do not need to store more things in my house. I don't know if you saw in a picture I sent you earlier this week, but uh, you might have been able to see the ladder that's still waiting for use in the basement. It's sticking out your front and back door still? Uh, maybe that's how that fly got in there, because I have the doors open because the ladder doesn't fit. No. You should be happy you're not right on the water or in the woods near the water, because you open the door to our house and it's just like, everybody inside! <laughs> Come and get it. Dinner served. Oh, the the best way to get them, though, is if you have a hat laying around. You wait until they land on the floor and you just throw that sucker at them. What? You mean you take it off your head and you you ring toss to to get the fly? Not a ring toss, but you, you pitch it. It's it's hard toss. Okay, so, but are you trying to, like, capture the, the bug or are you trying to smush the bug? No, no, it's it's not it's not capture. We're, we're, we're playing for skins here. Okay. So what you're going to do is you're going to take the thing you put on your head, you're going to get fly guts on it. No, it, do, it doesn't splatter the fly. It just stuns them. And then they then you take care of it. I don't think I have that kind of dexterity or hand-eye coordination. It's like a fly swatter. I have something against owning a fly swatter because it reminds me of the 1950s too much. <laughs> That's, does it, make you, th- does it uh, make you feel like somebody who has a fly problem? Well, I have a fly problem, but I don't want to be a person with a fly problem. <laughs> So you're ju- you have a fly problem that you're just not addressing, except with your hat. No, I, I'm addressing it. It's just I, a fly swatter seems inefficient. Well, I think Merlin was was discussing um, having a fly problem, you know, at his office. His office, yeah. But that was trash related, I think. Well, I think he has a trash problem at the office because I don't think he, there is trash collection at the office. So I think trash accumulates. Yeah, he is the junk boys. <laughs> Well, I don't know if the uh, 1-800-junk people uh, are the people he uses to get rid of his trash. I thought he just, maybe he he takes it home when it gets to enough trash. I think Merlin has some things. You know, you can't keep up with it. It's just part of him and it's very <laughs> endearing. Can't, I, I, I like to picture Merlin, you know, riding his, uh, his Segway down the street, carrying a bunch of trash bags back to his house. <laughs> on the Segway, yes. <laughs> so Mary's been following Merlin on Twitter, which is kind of funny because she's not a tech person. She has no idea who Merlin is other than uh, he's on Dubai Friday. Except, except that you except that you talk about him, right? Yeah, via the podcast. And 
that we listen to together occasionally, but she thinks he's funny. But I think when she signed up for Twitter, she just went through my following list and just copied it one for one. <laughs> um, well, you know, uh, I did, I did feel very honored to be, to be followed by Mary. And so I did take a look at who she was following. I didn't compare it to your list. I'm sure it's a subset, but yeah, with with a few pop culture people that I'm not following or something like that. Well, you have to explain, Pierce, that she's she's new to Twitter, right? And she has significantly improved her Twitter efficiency. She's not very new to Twitter. She's been on Twitter for a long time, but... Okay, she's new to having a Twitter account. She she treated each Twitter account as a personal web page that she would go to and, like, <laughs> and scroll through. So did she have an RSS feed for Twitter for Twitter accounts? No, she would type in each address manually I, I know but i mean remember how you used to use an rss reader to like you know just check in on all your websites oh i still do okay i wonder do you think there's a market for that what do you mean where you kind of you pivot table twitter into an rss feed oh i think that's what lists are supposed to be well still but still but i want to stay outside of like the regular i want to make it something totally different from twitter so you want like a subscription to a curated list of users no i want I, I, every person can set it up themselves but I want to I, I want to read Twitter like like Mary was reading Twitter by going to the website. Except I want to save a little bit of work off there, and just get an RSS feed for the tweets on each person's page. Well, what what if we pivoted that and we said, what if we have a service that only gets the most inflammatory tweets and takes them out of context, and then you pay a subscription for tweets that make you angry? Okay, so we're gonna charge people to show them tweets that make them angry. Yes. Are they going to be tweets that would make us angry, or are we going to have different profiles for different no, people? No, you go, you go in and fill out a survey. Okay. So we can get some machine learning in here, right? Oh, yes. And it, we probably could store on the blockchain because you want your, uh, your, your hate tweets to be, uh, be curated and protected in public. Okay. So there's everything about, as I understand it, everything about blockchain is, is public, right? So there's no way for me to have like, because if, what if I want to publish all this data and make everybody else store it, but I, as a subscriber, have a key that allows me to unlock the tweets that I've paid for, right? Yeah. So yeah. I want everybody to store the data for me for free yes. in the blockchain, yes. but I want to have a way that I can give someone else a key that they've paid me for that allows them to go read the tweets that I've stored out there for them. Is that is that a blockchain thing? Can I do that with blockchain? Yes. Because of your subscription... You'll be offered content such as like the uh, the flayed hot dog waffle casserole. Oh, Paul's favorite. Yeah. You know what? That made a lot of people angry. We could make so much money off of that. Who did it make angry? Oh, so many people. Anti-hot dog coalition. You know, big hamburger. <laughs> big hamburger was upset that hot hot dog was getting getting so much uh, screen time. Yeah, Wendy's was like losing their shit over that, and Arby's was like, "That's not the meat we have." <laughs> Okay, so after I got home from work today, before we got on the call, I was looking at the YouTube, right? Got to look at the YouTube. As you do. The Late Night with Seth Meyers uh, channel posted like Seth's favorite jokes of the week. It's kind of like a summary of whatever he thought was uh, particularly funny. And one of the jokes was that uh, KFC in Russia is working with some like, you know, food science company to make fake chicken, right? Kind of like, you know, Impossible Burger or something. And I think the joke was that uh, Arby's, um, oh, so the idea, okay, here's the joke. Sorry, sorry. Seth told it much better than I'm telling you, okay? No, you're doing it perfect. No, Seth Meyers did a much better Start job. Start with the punchline and then work backwards. <laughs> that's the classic joke recipe. <laughs> I, I just I just heard recently that you're that, that's how you, when you tell a joke, you have to end with the punchline. 
You heard that's that? That's the funny part. That sounds like fake news. I think news. I heard that. It, no, that's that's what I heard. I heard it's supposed to be funny at the end. How to do jokes for dummies. <laughs> so, KFC is going to make chicken... KFC in Russia is going to make chicken from the future with um, with some food science biotech company or whatever to make fake chicken. Arby's was like, don't worry, we got you. We got food from the... We got meats from the past. <laughs> it's just about a week old. It's totally totally fine. Oh, okay, two things. Number one, do you believe any sort of high-tech Russian chicken alternative is not human? Um, sure. I, I don't think they have so many political dissidents that they can, you know, keep KFC in, chick- in fake chicken. You don't think so? No, no, I don't think so. Okay, I agree to disagree. Okay, well, I'm hoping that that's not, for the sake of the, the, the Russian people, I hope that that's not the case. Pearson. Okay, number two, number two. Uh, Arby's also sells game meat. Did you know this? Uh, well, they do have the meats. I did not realize that the meats included um, non-farm animal meats. A certain coworker of ours was telling me that in certain markets they sell venison. Oh, is this one of our, our new new listeners? Perhaps. We're, we're not going to shout out to him until he actually listens. That's right. We need to confirm listenership before he's going to get any credit. Yeah, maybe we'll send him a uh, official merch item. Do we have official merch? Oh, I have a uh, Cafe Press account set up. Oh, okay. Well, let's get some. Let's get our very basic logo printed on some white T-shirts. <laughs> I only have the baby onesie set up. <laughs> Do well. You know, some of our audience might be, you know, having newborns that need onesies. That's fine. Or we just have an audience of toddlers or, or babies. I don't. I don't think toddlers. I am not. I have no. I'm not a parent. I don't. I don't know anything about kids. But I do not think the toddlers fit onesies. Oh, I'm sure you can make it fit. F- footy pajamas, maybe footy pajamas. I can imagine, but not not onesies. I've gotten multiple emails saying a lot of parents just put us on in the bedroom when their kids are going down for sleep, and we just put them right out. Oh, really? Yes. We're a uh, we're a, a relaxation aid. We're very soothing. Yes, it's. Or we're very boring. Uh, no, it's we're just a little bit. Of, we're so entertaining that the babies just their mind gets blown in there. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. This is for the babies. I was afraid that the adults were also going to sleep. No, to our our soothing. No, sounds. no, they're doing other things. Mm. <laughs> Not sure how I feel about that. Multi-purpose, Dave. Multi-purpose. Yes. Okay. There's a podcast for everyone. There's everyone listening to our podcast. Yeah. So, I have heard you've had some issues with your oven. Uh, that's right. Um, well, just to set the scene here, uh, I'm in my recently remodeled kitchen with some new appliances. Uh, the appliances happen to be maybe about 14 months old. Uh, that's going to be important in this story because I think the warranty on some of these appliances is 12 months. So wait, wait, wait. So 14 months is pretty old for appliances, I think. No, I don't think so. I, th- I think, uh, I think that, you know, given the, in theory, Expensive quality of these appliances, they should be lasting a long, longer than longer than 12 months, Pierce. I should surely hope so. What brand are they? Uh, they are Bosch. So they're German, which means they have electrical problems, and that could be my problem. Is it an electric oven? Uh, it is a... Okay, so I guess technically it's a range, which means it's a cooktop and an oven. It is uh, what we call slide-in because it does. it's not freestanding. It's designed to like kind of integrate with the... Uh, cabinets and the countertop, um, but it is, it is it is electric. Unfortunately, here uh, I do not have uh, gas. So, but besides, you want an electric oven even if you have gas because uh, electric ovens are the way to go. What about your stove? Uh, if I if I could have had a gas cooktop, I might have preferred that. But I have second best. I have induction, 
And I think we've previously discussed that. So it's a giant Apple Watch charger. Air Power 2. Air Power 2. I think you said that the last time. So. Oldie but goodie. Sometimes the best jokes are worth telling over and over again. Until they get funny. That's right. With repeat, the the jokes will continue until the laughing starts. You just beat the funny out of it. (laughs) Anyhow, so I guess it was... A week ago, I was I was trying to make a quiche. In fact, you had told me I had to make a quiche, and I was like, I'm going to make a quiche. For a virtual happy hour. For a virtual happy hour. And so that means that uh, since happy hour is on a Tuesday, I was getting I was getting ready on Monday night. I was making uh, the pie dough, and I had to blind bake it, and that is to bake it without a filling uh, because you bake the, the custard, the egg custard, inside the, the pre-baked shell. Um, afterwards. I was very confused because you originally indicated you were having issues getting your bacon up to temperature and then you just sent me a, a, a photo of like some floppy bacon in a pie tin or whatever. It didn't make much sense. Is that part of the story? Uh, the bacon is, is, is related. Okay, so what happened was I, uh, I made my pie dough. I put it in the refrigerator to chill. I baked it off in the oven with my pie weights and everything. And I don't remember what the temperature was for that. Let's say it was, uh, let's say it was 375 or something. Yes. 350. That's not that hot for an oven. No, no. 350 degrees is not that hot. Fahrenheit for all of our metric listeners. I've got a conversion in the show notes for you. <laughs> but, but yours can do 800 Celsius, right? I, I, again, Pierce, I, I, I can't tell you what 800 Celsius is, but I don't think my oven does it. <laughs> you just put some rocks in there and turn it into magma. <laughs> so pie crust bakes just fine. Okay. Like... It seems all ovens of a modern variety that have like a digital controls on them, you can't change the temperature mid cooking operation. So uh, I have to press stop and I press bake again to tell it, oh, I want to keep baking at a different temperature. And so I'm going to use the oven bacon method where you take bacon and you put it on a sheet tray, uh, a wire rack on top of a sheet tray, and you go low and slow to, you know, get the bacon very evenly done. Doesn't make a mess. It's perfect. It's great. I do not do this all the time. So I adjust the temperature. I think I'm going for 200. I want 200 degrees. I'm like, oven, could you just stay on a little bit, please? That's all I need you to do. I need I need 200 degrees. I need like 200 degrees for like three hours. That's all I'm asking. That seems like a lot though. Uh, no, it shouldn't have been. So I press, I press, I press uh, stop. I press bake. I press 200 or whatever the number, whatever it was. I think it was 200. And I press start and I hear a ka-chunk. It doesn't turn on. And then it starts beeping at me like a, I don't know, like a, it's, almost, it's, it's pretty loud. It's not fire alarm loud, but it's, it's loud. And it displays E118 and then an 800 number. I wish it had a skull on the display, like, like skull and crossbones, you're fucked. <laughs> it's like transmission failure. So as it turns, so the, the, the noise, now, now my technician, I think his name is Daniel, uh, Bosch Bosch factory guy is coming on Monday. I will have been w- without this oven for two weeks, maybe. That sounds about right. Anyway, so when I when I, I call the I call the eight hundred number, isn't it convenient? I can call the eight hundred number that's displayed on the device. Toll free. Uh, and it was toll free. I don't think anyone pays for long distance, so toll free doesn't really matter anymore. But sure. One nine hundred Bosch. Okay, <laughs> almost. Anyway, the person I uh, I spoke to on that night Monday night was was nice. Um, and I guess I, while I was waiting on hold or whatever, I, I did some Googling. And in theory, this error 118 has something to do with some communication failure between the control circuitry and the cooling fan. So 
I guess the oven has two fans. It has a fan to provide convection, right, to move the warm air around the oven. So that's a feature. Uh, And it has this other fan, which is responsible for making sure the outside of the oven doesn't catch on fire uh, and try to cool off, like, bring, like, room air around the outside of the oven cavity. And I think it's that fan that made a disturbing noise, and it could either have been a noise related to, like, the fan breaking, and by breaking I mean, like, arresting its turning motion, uh, not so much as, like, it fell apart. Uh, or maybe it fell apart, I don't know. You just have fan blades in the uh, inside of your oven. Well, no, like I said, this fan is external to the inside of, like, the oven heating cavity. Oh, sorry, under your oven you have fins. It, there could be, there could be uh, fan parts underneath Because it's German, there's a pool of oil. And coolant. I can't. I can't imagine any oil involved in this process. Or just like a pool of blood. So, so the guy, the the very nice guy, says, "Okay, this is what it could be. What I need you to do is go to the circuit breaker, and turn it off, and let the oven cool off." So I open the oven door, and mean, meanwhile, I'm prepared to cook my bacon. So I have a tray of raw bacon sitting on the counter, and perhaps this is the picture that I sent you. Maybe we'll put it in the show notes because everybody wants to see a picture of some bacon. I would rather you drew a picture of bacon and put it in because everyone knows what it looks like. Uh, my, no, no, I don't, I don't. Nobody wants my bacon art, Pierce. I don't think that's going to be great. You can use on-brand Sharpie. <laughs> I can use a real Sharpie? Oh, so I don't have to draw it on the computer? No, no. Because I could use the pencil on the, on the iPad. We don't want that. We want Sharpie. We want Sharpie bacon. You want Sharpie bacon. Anyway, so the guy says, turn it off. Turn off the power. It'll reset the computer, just like Windows. And I have to let it cool off. And so I'm waiting for the oven to cool down. I set a timer for an hour. I go watch some TV or something. And then I turn the power back on, try the whole thing again, because I still have this raw bacon waiting to be cooked. And um, it, it doesn't work. Or it, I'm, I'm able to set the clock and tell it I want to start baking. And then as soon as I, it starts to turn on the heating cycle, it, I don't think I hear a fan kachunk again, but I go immediately back to the error uh, 118. Are you concerned when the tech comes and opens up your uh, oven to see what's going on with it, there's going to just be a massive like pit viper wrapped around the spindle of the fan uh, shaft? Um, I, I don't think there's going to be any room for that, Pierce. You know, I, I took, I paid a lot of attention when we redid the kitchen. Uh, I know how much space there is behind the the uh, range, and there, there's no room for a for a viper. There are no snakes back there. Pretty common for this to happen to stove for for snakes to get in them. Yeah, wrapped around the fan and everything. No, okay. It's happened to at least three of my friends. Anyway, I tried to turn it off and turn it back on a cycle one more time. You're not concerned about vipers? No, I'm not concerned about the vipers. No. I'm concerned about your house. Anyway, so I still have this bacon. So then I put it in my. Okay, so here we go. I have three ovens. This is fortunate. So I have the oven that failed, error 118. Wait, can we go to the, uh, what is the, uh, what is the saying about one is none? Uh, one is none, two is one, one is none. What about three? So I guess three is two. There you go. So I have three ovens. I have the new range. I have a new microwave, which is also an oven. So it's not just a microwave, but it has like an electric heating element or two in it, right? So it's, it's a real oven, smaller, obviously, but, and I have a fancy Breville toaster oven uh, that I've had for a while. And, um, so I go for that cause I, I've used that a lot. I, that's going to be fine. So I, now the, the half sheet pan, which is what you think of as a full size cookie sheet. It's technically a half sheet pan. Not me. Perhaps you're not, a, are you a professional chef and you, you're not confused about what I mean by half sheet pan? No, I can dice carrots and stuff. Anyway, so it doesn't fit in a small toaster oven. So I have to like, I have a dirty thing and I have dirty aluminum foil and dirty like uh, wire rack. I got to take all my bacon and cram it into a smaller 
container. And so help me, I've already waited two hours to cook this bacon. I'm not, I'm not waiting. I'm not doing two two layers or uh, two batches of bacon. And I, I've I had the bacon sitting out now for two hours. So it's either growing things that are going to kill me, or it's all going to get cooked. No, it won't grow things in two hours. Just no. You're, I'm not letting pork sit out for two hours. No one's ever and not cooking it. Pork. I don't think that's true. Your favorite weight loss plan is Chipotle, Pierce. I don't know what you're talking about. That's the lettuce. That's the vegetables. <laughs> pork wouldn't do you wrong. Mm, no. It's a magical, wonderful animal. The only thing wrong with pork is Porky Pig is a sexual offender. Because he's not wearing any pants? Yeah, he's never wearing pants. That's rude. So so is Daffy Duck. Yeah, fuck that guy too. Oh, well, okay. While we're, while we're complaining about cartoon characters, please explain to me why Pluto is a dog, but Goofy is an anthropomorphized character so mickey mouse has a friend who's a dog and owns a dog oh this is easy one has had the uh, crisper gene therapy other one's just a dog okay so did mickey mouse also have his genes enhanced yes yes walt disney was trying to breed a uh, army of super soldier you know super intelligent cartoon animal very problematic you look into it walt disney not a good guy including opening disney world during um pandemic that's probably not the best move uh yeah i don't remember who the current ceo of uh, walt disney is not michael eisner some new guy or not new but relatively new compared to michael eisner <sighs> okay ovens ovens so anyway so i i managed to cook the bacon in my toaster oven mm-hmm. and then the next day i cooked the quiche in the toaster oven so i'm i'm, I'm pleased I, I've survived that. I got my guy Daniel coming this just after this weekend. We're gonna get the main oven fixed. Yeah, maybe maybe Daniel's his American name and his German name is actually Klaus. I'll let you know. His his real name might be Klaus Klaus McDaniel. Wouldn't that make him uh Scottish? You never know. With a McDaniel name? No, that that's traditionally very German. Mick? Yeah. Okay. So anyway, so I, fortunately I've been able to use this the stove part of the range, right? So the induction cooktop it's a whole separate control system um, as long as the, the whole appliance has power. So I've been able to, uh, to cook some things, you know, on the top of the stove. But yesterday, yesterday I get some Amazon deliveries. And one of those deliveries is a OXO Good Grips uh, pizza wheel cutter. What do I want to do with that, Pierce? I want to cut up some pizza. You want to eat a cantaloupe. I want to eat a cantaloupe and I want to cut it with a pizza cutter. And so here we go. I'm going to use my... Uh, I'm going to use my toast oven, my trusty Breville toast oven, to, to cook my pizza. And uh, I look at the instructions. It's just a frozen pizza, right? So in the COVID times, I've, I've purchased a lot of frozen pizza. The, the freezer is full of it. And so it says uh, preheat to 425. So I go over to my trusty, expensive, John Syracuse-approved toaster oven, and I set it to bake 425. Press start. Things are going great. It's preheating. It's telling me it's getting closer to temperature. Um, I'm, I'm in the kitchen. I don't know. Checking Twitter. Read my email. Whatever I'm doing. I happen to notice that the... Uh, I think it beeps at me to tell me it's reached temperature. And, and the countdown starts to begin. Because I, you know, set in advance for like 12 minutes or whatever it's supposed to be. And so I'm, I'm getting... I'm like, oh, it's time to put the pizza in. Which I've already put on a tray. It's sitting out just like the bacon. It's ready to go. And I look over at the toaster oven and the display has gone off. And I'm like, um, that's not supposed to happen. And I'm like, okay, did it just stop? So even if it's not running, it has a display on it that tells you, you know, I'm re- set up for toast or whatever. And so I press the power button, the start button, nothing happens. I unplug it, I plug it back in, nothing happens. I look at the outlet behind it where it's plugged in. It's got a green light on it because it's a GFCI outlet. Um, 
has power. I really hope that the flute fuse blue. And when I say fuse, I mean circuit breaker. Uh, but nope. And so I've lost a second oven in less than two weeks. Maybe it was 10 days. I don't know. Are you going to send uh, Syracuse some follow-up? You should give him help. You know, I really, I, I really should message him. I should say, hey, John, your oven has failed me. Have you ever turned it above 400 degrees? I'm sure I've used it at 400. That extra 25 degrees, though. But, but, but Pierce, if you don't want me to make it hotter than 400 degrees, why do you have a setting that lets me go to 425? I don't think 425 was the max. I bet I could have gone to 450. What's the max? Well, I don't know because it won't turn on right now. I can't tell oh, you. it's all digital. Oh, yeah, it's all digital. That's part of the problem here. Is there a cleaning function? No, no, it, it, it doesn't It doesn't self-clean. <laughs> so you can't set it to like 550 or anything. All right, when, when, when you were joking about the 800 degrees Celsius, I think we could get close to that with the self-cleaning cycle of the oven. No, no, I was just listening to um, Neil deGrasse Tyson's uh, podcast. Shoot, what is it called? Star Talk? Star Talk, yes. And they had a volcanologist on there talking about the, you know, temperatures of magma or lava. Magma is underground, lava is at the surface. But, you know, certain certain lavas are 800 degrees Celsius and others are up to 1400 degrees Celsius, depending the, you know, the rock type or the composition of the rock. Or maybe how far they've, you know, moved from the um, I don't know, the vents or wherever they're... Yes, all, all factors included. What's it called? Um, I, wanna, I don't Caldera. know. Caldera. Maybe we'll put, a, we'll, let, we'll put a link in the show notes to some uh, volcanic uh, activity diagrams. Maybe. Maybe Pierce will make us a diorama with some uh, baking soda vinegar. I might link you all to like a color by numbers of a volcano because they're cool. Especially with like okay. little sad dinosaurs underneath in the valley looking up at it, <laughs> realizing this is the extinction event and they're... Just waiting to die by a pyroclastic blast. Dinosaurs, I don't, I don't think dinosaurs went, went extinct because of volcanic eruptions. I think di- dinosaurs went extinct because of uh, meteor impact. No, I actually think um, one of the leading theories is the combination of the, uh, shoot, the meteor impact off the coast of Mexico. I can't recall the name of it. But I also think there was a period of unfortunate events involving volcanic ash in the atmosphere in addition to dust kicked up by the, um, the meteor impact. Oh, so you think they were coincident? I think potentially in geologic terms, they're fairly close together, but they're all um, contributing factors in terms of the non-longevity longevity of the dinosaur. So my second oven fails. So what do I do? Buy a third oven. I go to the internet. No, no, hold on. We haven't gotten to the third oven yet. So um, second oven fails... And um, I have a raw pizza, well, frozen pizza that needs to be, you know, heated. I Google, my part has shipped, apparently for $11 or something, including shipping. I'm going to get a replacement uh, thermal fuse. So apparently the oven is designed to fail in this state if uh, it gets too hot, which is good. I'm glad my house didn't burn down. That's This is preferred. Going hungry even would be better than the house burning down. So, um Hopefully uh, next week sometime I'll get to uh, take the oven apart, replace this part, and hopefully things go back to working. And you know what I won't do, Pierce? I'm not going to turn it to 425 again. I think you should try. You should just give it a burn in. <laughs> well, I only ordered one part. Maybe I should have ordered two of these replacement parts if I was going to uh, carry out that experiment. You know, just get a glass of water and uh, some sodium and put it in there, crank it up to 450, and, you know, see what happens. I, I, I think the water and the sodium alone would uh, react. I don't think I need to have any, you know... Uh, external heat source. What about some thermite? That might help. (laughs) Also, we don't need the oven. All right. So the good news is, so I have my frozen pizza that I want to use my new pizza cutter for. I get to use the microwave in its oven function. And lo and behold, it has a button on it that says, I guess, 
uh, it's a button that says pizza. I don't know. It's got a mode specifically designed for, so you press the, I think you press the pizza button and it says, is it frozen pizza, fresh pizza, or something else? What, what do you think a third kind of pizza is? Are you sure you didn't uh, select the self-destruct function? Unfortunately, I, st- I stepped away from the microphone to say that. So it says frozen, fresh, or microwave pizza. What do you think a microwave pizza is different from a frozen pizza? Oh, bagel bites. You think? Yeah, 100%. I guess maybe I should look that up in a manual. Anyhow, you know, what, cha- what temperature do you think it chose? What I chose frozen pizza because i was using a programmed mode of the oven i wasn't just setting it according to the box so if i were designing it as an engineer if someone said they wanted to eat a frozen pizza i think i would want to (laughs) you would leave it cold maximize the heat at the top and the bottom of the pizza but make sure the center was frozen so you get the (laughs) the burnt roof of your mouth but the mealy flavor of a frozen pizza you're not gonna guess 425 i want you no, no. I don't know. It'd be funny if it chose 425 and then it also failed, but no, it chose 400 degrees. So you overrode it. You're like, that's far too cold. <laughs> no, you know what? I I, I was not going to risk um, my final available oven uh, before we break into the camping stoves, which aren't really ovens, but uh, I guess I, I could, you know, warm up the pizza on the bottom, just like move it back and forth across the... Uh, the flame and the camping stove. No, but we discussed this. We're going to build a cinder block pizza oven in your backyard. Yeah, you did say that. And then I, uh, I asked you to watch any of my uh, Kenji Lopez alt uh, YouTube videos because I was uh, trying to tell you that he has a preferred propane fired uh, outdoor pizza oven. Yeah, I said I watched it. I said he, he cooked his pizza and it was crispy on the bottom. Yeah, but see, I, I don't I don't know if I can believe you when you say that because, of course, you want it crispy on the bottom. How would, how would I make a detail up like that without watching? Um, I think you could just imagine that most people don't want no. flimsy pizza. No, the cheese was very melty, which was good, like optimal melty, and the outside top crust was also crispy. Okay, could you, what color was the oven? It was, uh, it was colored. Okay. What shape was the... Um, like the gas element in the back of the oven. He used one of those like long paddle, like spatula things to get the pizza in and out of it. Uh, pizza peel. Pizza peel, okay. yes. He uses two kinds. What kind does he use to put the pizza in the oven? There's a wood one. What kind of pizza peel does he use to take the How would I, how would I know this if I didn't watch the video, Dave? I'm asking I'm you d- the second I'm question. I'm playing your games. What, There's a metal what, one. What kind of pizza peel does he use to take the pizza out of the, the oven? The metal Pierce? one. He puts it on a stone. Mm, I don't know. Boom. The oven kind of includes the stone. The floor is already made out of stone. He wouldn't put it on the ground. That's ridiculous. How how many grills does he have in a row in his backyard? Too many. Mm, how how too many? One too many. <laughs> One too many? Uh, mm. I've only ever seen him use three of them. And since he has a preferred pizza oven, I would say he has two too many. Because he does not need the second pizza oven and I've never seen him use the gas grill. He uses the gas grill quite a bit, though, from the videos I've uh, seen. Not in any video I've watched. He's like, "I'm gonna make a, uh, I'm gonna make a taco," and he's on there. And 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 these are COVID times, so um, I've watched a lot of his videos. He's just grilling some uh, ground beef on it. Grilling some ground beef on it. Is that a hamburger? No, he just, he just opened a package of ground beef and was just mashing it up. <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs> over the grates. Well, you hold on. You know how you're not supposed to overwork the ground beef. Like, you're not supposed to, like, turn it into mush when you make it into patty. You're supposed to, like, yeah. have it just come together. Yes, yes. Right? That's why you use egg. What if, what, if you, <laughs> what if you just took the ground beef right out of the styrofoam and you just, just put it right in the That's grill? That's what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but what if you actually did that? Uh, maybe, you, maybe, you, maybe you cut it up into four pieces and you get four, like, Wendy's has square hamburgers, right? So you'd have, like, square, uh, 
you know, th- thicker in one corner hamburgers. I kind of feel like it would be the most expensive hamburger you could do. Because you start with like, what, a pound and a half of beef and maybe have like an eighth of a pound at the end of just the, like... why? Where's it going? It's going into the grill grates, just falling between. And it's going to flame up. No, I think it's... <laughs> It stays. It stays pretty well together. You think so? I think it would. So you think you could just get a huge, a giant grill patty and then cut it in half at the end? Oh no, I think you have to cut it in half in advance. Oh, I want to do just the whole thing out of the styrofoam. Well, I, okay. I was saying if you were going to actually make it for hamburgers, but yeah, we could make a brick. It's it. Well, it's like a bachelor meatloaf. You just put some ketchup on it when you're done. <laughs> Does that go on the grill? You mean do you put the ketchup on it while it's still raw? Yeah. No, because I think you want you want to be able to get some some uh, some grill marks on both sides right so <laughs> you 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 take the start you take you you peel off the plastic wrap you put it down on the grill you quickly remove the styrofoam before that catches on fire oh yeah and you and you make sure that that like the blood absorbing pad thing that that doesn't stay on there you know dave i think we might actually be uh, just describing a salisbury steak hmm. okay so we need to make a gravy to serve with it how do we grill the gravy <laughs> <laughs> uh, well you you could just you could just put a pan with an oven safe handle on, on top of the grill, I think. No, 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 no. You're just pouring it on. <laughs> you're just pouring it on. Okay, here's what you do. You take a, you find, do you think you can still get ketchup in a glass bottle? Oh, yeah, yeah, I think you can. All right, so then you just put, you just sit that on the grill right next to the, the meat as it cooks. The ketchup in the glass bottles is what they serve at uh, Eagles games. <laughs> so you can better uh, throw it at people? Like, with, in case you run out of batteries, you can just throw the glass yeah, you can throw it further. Okay, so the Eagles are a football team, right? Yes. Football, Eagles? Yes, American football, not soccer. Right, and so so would you save the ketchup bottles to throw when you play uh, the Steelers? Okay, well, first of all, are Pittsburgh and Philadelphia in the same or different football they're, leagues? They're different leagues. Or regions? What are they called? AFC, NFC, what are NFC those things? NFC and AFC, yes. But what are they called? Division. It's the NFL Football League divisions. Okay, so are they in the same or different divisions? Different divisions. Okay, so they would play each other in the regular season or no? Uh, I believe that like there's crossover, but doesn't count for your rankings in terms of making the playoffs and stuff like that. Okay, because it, it would seem pretty appropriate if you would throw ketchup bottles at uh, Pittsburgh, right? No, that, that's for the playoffs. Okay. That's when the game you, really You reserve matters, that yes. for... <laughs> I guess you could probably get a ketchup bottle to make it to the field. Oh, absolutely. Especially if you're really high. You just have to kind of remember that game, um, Tanks, back in the 80s. Um, I'm imagining, do you remember, uh, I guess I remember it would be called Scorched Earth. I don't know. It, well, it would, you had, you had, it, um, I guess you, you controlled one tank or it was kind of like a tank, but I don't think you get, you couldn't move. That's why I don't want to call it tank. Yeah, you're stationary so and you shoot it over like a You're a stationary or target. You you can change your angle and power or whatever. And uh, you fire your projectile. I don't think you got to choose anything about its yield or whatever. But so you have, you would, you were one player and and there were other computer played characters. Uh, but you could take out land like so you could either like hit the enemy or like take the wall earth out between you and them so you could get a better hit. Yeah. Did you ever play the game Worms? Worms. It was a similar theory, but uh, you had a team of worms and each worm had a different weapon and you could do something different. So you could shoot like a, a mortar essentially and start chipping away at the land or the, the cover that the enemy had. Or you had like heat seeking missiles. It was a very 90s game. It was, it was pretty cool. Okay. But it's called Worms. Worms. Like earthworms. I got it. I, I wrote it down. 
I'm ready to I'm ready to Google later. I'm gonna Google with worms. Like I'm gonna team of worms to help me Google. Yes. Anyway, I, I enjoyed that game in the the nineties. All right, I don't I don't recall that game. But anyway, what about so your pizza turned out okay? Oh yeah, yeah. So in the end, uh, I was pleased. It was not as good as using the real oven. Look, I mean, we're talking about you know I don't know uh, twice the size. Not that this really matters in this case, I guess. But I don't know. I didn't. I so in the in the real oven, I have a pizza stone. Right? I do not have a pizza stone in the microwave oven. So, um, and my new cutting board. Okay, so remember I ordered the cutting board and I was all worried that it hadn't shipped yet. Yeah, months ago. At the On the first of the month. So three weeks ago, I hadn't heard anything other than they had taken my payment. And uh, I was getting anxious because, you know, hey, it's not like buying from a big company. It's like buying from a guy. But a guy recommended by my favorite new YouTube guy. Um, anyway, and so I, I emailed him and I didn't hear anything back. But then this week I heard something back. But I don't have my new cutting board, so I used my plastic cutting board, but I used my new pizza wheel, and it worked pretty well. So well, it worked out. Pizza success. Yeah. Did you get any dipping sauce for it? Uh, no, no dipping sauce, no ranch. What about whipped cream? I was trying to be healthy. No, no whipped cream, cool whip, dairy, uh, ready whip. Sour cream. Homemade, no sour cream. No, no dairy products other than the cheese already included in the pizza. Oh, what about nacho sauce? Um... <laughs> You mean like fake cheese? I mean, I don't know, like a queso. I would dip a piece of pizza in queso. No, I, I put some sriracha on it and that was fine. Oh, that is good. That is good improvement. Yeah. I was speaking of hot sauce. I had that, uh, the hot sauce I was telling you about. The Da Bomb Beyond Insanity. Da Bomb? Yes. And uh, how, how's that feeling? Are you having any side effects yet? No, no. I was honestly kind of worried about it based on show that I've been telling you about for a while. The Scoville scale? Uh, Scoville scale, it's only 135,000, which sounds like a lot, but I think we've, in our office, have all collectively goofed around with hotter things. The uh, That one hot death nut that we ate, I think that was the hottest thing I've ever had. The peanuts. Yes, yes. And I think the level blue Woo Boy chicken perhaps was, you know, not as hot as the nut, but collectively eating two chicken fingers of it was pretty darn hot but compared to those two the de bomb was not was not crazy it was not unbearable it was tingling but i didn't feel like i wanted to you know start sweating or anything like that right did, did mary try it at all or no uh after i said it wasn't that bad she put her uh index finger straight up and she started motioning towards the plate don't do that what are you doing you're gonna touch your eye in 10 minutes <laughs> okay how'd that work out she avoided the situation. Okay, so you, so would she have tasted it if she, if she had better uh, hand-eye avoidance control? So she asked me, honestly, whether or not she'd be okay with it. And I said, you're generally not that great with spicy food. She'll, she'll eat sriracha on some things, but just like just a little bit. Right. And she's okay with that. Over time, that gets too much. So if she did like a dab of this hot sauce, she'd have a few minutes where she was... Definitely not feeling the greatest in terms of mouthfeel. But I don't think it would give that feeling of extreme intensity that you sometimes get when you eat something that's too hot for you. I was going to say, what did you have it on? So did you just have it like on your on a spoon or did you... Um... No, no, no. We ordered chicken wings with our dinner or as an appetizer for dinner. So I put a dab of it on a, a small plate and then rolled the, the drumstick in it and went to town well was the chicken was the chicken wing already seasoned it was already seasoned yeah it already had hot sauce on it okay so it was a buffalo chicken wing with this extra spice yeah mary said it was a sweet sour spicy sauce which was it tasted like a mild sauce with maybe a little barbecue sauce and maybe some vinegar something like that do you regularly enjoy these wings or 
Was this just a special occasion just to have a reason to use the hot sauce? Uh, we'll probably get wings every other week if we order pizza, just as a thing. But this is the first time we've ordered takeout from uh, Matchbox Pizza. Oh, where's where's that? Like, how far do they have to go? Not too far. I think it's re- recently opened in this area. Maybe it's Sterling. There's in one, it's one Loudon. There is. I think it's in Sterling, though. I think it's across from Countryside. Oh, that's not too terribly far. No, it's, I don't know, 10, 10 minutes away, something like that. Yeah, I just wondered how, how hot that was going to, or how quickly that food was going to get to you, I guess. That's that's my big, big question about, like, all this food delivery stuff. Like, how quickly can they, how long is it waiting there before the person comes to pick it up? And then, are they coming straight to you? Do they have many stops, or? Uh, I think it's hit or miss. We, we've had some good, really good service. We've had some not so great service. Ordering stuff from the town center is relatively pretty good. On the border that we got was warm when it got here which was nice. The Chipotle wasn't necessarily the warmest, but whatever. It was still good. Do you choose which Chipotle they pick it up from? Or like, are you going to the Chipotle website and saying, I want delivery and they just uh, farm it out to one of these delivery companies? Or do you go to a delivery company and say, I want Chipotle or I want this particular Chipotle? No, I think that's part of the service. So Mary did the Chipotle order. I've never ordered from, uh, I think she did Grubhub. I've never ordered from Grubhub in terms of a chain restaurant with multiple locations nearby. Okay. I've done it from like counter or places like that, but not, you know, a chain like Chipotle where there's five different ones within 10 miles. Yeah. It's like, I want, I want a delivery from Starbucks. Please walk down the street for yeah, me. Yeah. Which corner? Or if you lived in New England and you said Dunkin' Donuts, you'd get 400 <laughs> different offers. Well, I'm looking forward to you bringing that to work. Cause I want to, I want us to, to try it there. Uh, we'll have to, you know, put it six feet, in between us or something. Well, you could try it on your peanut butter and jelly. That probably would be pretty good. I'm not. I'm not sure that that is the uh, the best uh, uh, sampling method. We'll have to get some uh, tortilla chips. I think I can get those the next time I go to the store. I don't know about tortilla chips. Maybe we do. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we need to figure something out. Well, no, but I think if it's the purpose is to try the hot sauce, right? You want a neutral, like a like a white corn, only salt, you know, tortilla chip. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But that's something to look forward to. Do you do you want to get? I mean, are you suggesting wings or something? That's oh, chicken nuggets. Ooh, chicken nuggets. Well, chicken nuggets from where? McDonald's. Yeah, we could get some chicken nuggets from McDonald's. I guess so. I've not been to McDonald's. I can't tell you the last time I went to McDonald's. I I, I cannot either. But it probably was around either Thanksgiving or Christmas. That's my guess. Oh, you know what? Actually, that sounds that rem- that makes me think it was probably on the way back down, uh, from. Uh, being at my mom's for something. It's it's so easy to pop in there and get a egg McMuffin or something like that. Yeah, I think, well, be, you know, I don't like to eat in the car. So I think I ate in the restaurant and I ate in the restaurant by my by myself, which uh, which is not at the top of my list. Oh, you won't eat in a restaurant by yourself? Oh, I, I hate it. Oh, it's, terrible. it's so luxurious. It's so good. No, Pierce, no, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Just because you feel awkward? Yeah, I just, I, no, it just doesn't feel right to me. Oh, that was uh, something I learned how to deal with uh, my freshman year in college so easily. Because I told you I had the, uh, the 19 meal plan at Dietrich, or like the unlimited food. So you would be there all the time? None of the other people I knew had, because I was from out of state, I didn't know the thing to get was the flex meal plan. So I was like, oh, Coming from boarding school, three meals a day or whatever seems reasonable. That makes sense, right? First, I didn't really know that many people because I was from out of state and everyone else was from Northern Virginia. And then and then I had the worst meal plan possible for making friends. 
So I just sit in the cafeteria by myself <laughs> eating dinner or eating breakfast or whatever. Well, at least you could look out the window or something. Whatever. It was fine. I just it was like, oh, I'm going to read a book. This was before smartphones, right? Yeah, sure. So yeah, no. as an adult, the few times that uh, like Mary's been out of town or something, I'll occasionally go to like a sit down restaurant, just sit down by myself and eat dinner. Like an actual sit, like where somebody takes you to the table. Yes. Restaurant. Yes. Not the bar. Like a real restaurant. Yes. Hmm. Have I, well, I can't think of the last time I ate at a bar. I probably ate at a hotel. I'm sure I've been traveling for work or something and and eating at a bar by myself. That I can picture. I went. I got sent down to Georgia for work, and I was staying at a Holiday Inn. Ex, no, uh, extended stay. I was stand, uh, staying in an extended stay, and right next door there was a Carabas macaroni grill. That is that right? I think those are two. Those are two different things. Yes, I combined them. There's a macaroni grill. Yeah, you can you can pick which one it was, or it's all about the same. Mediocre, mediocre food either way. I went and sat down at the bar and. You know, I ordered, uh, I don't know, you know, a carafe of wine or whatever. Like whatever the two glasses of wine was, right? What do they call that? A half carafe, maybe? They they have a fancy name for it. It's like a quattro porte. It, that's not what it is, but it's some <laughs> some bullshit American restaurant, like interpretation of, you know, Italian food. And the food was taking a long time when I finished the two glasses of wine. And, I'm you know, I'm sitting at the bar, at like basically a hotel restaurant. I, it, and they're like, would you like anything else? I'm like. Yeah, I'd like another. Yeah, where's my? Where's the food I ordered? I would like another, you know, two glasses of wine while I'm waiting. They're like, "Oh, I'm sorry, we can't, we can't serve you that." I'm like, "What?" They're like, "Yeah, we can't, we can't serve you more than one thing of these wines." Meanwhile, there's a guy sitting there doing like five shots. I'm like, <laughs> like over and over again. So, um, it was uh, not proportional. So they had a special rule for their like wine deal. Could you could just buy glasses of wine maybe? You could maybe they just didn't want to lose profit when they could sell you wine by the glass. Oh, it, it was. I mean, it was crazy. It was like a Friday night, and I was like the only person there, so they weren't making any money. I wasn't being loud or obnoxious. I'm sitting there by myself, like reading the news on my phone. Right. It was. It was dumb. It was dumb. Do you remember what was the resolution? Do you, where, where does this come on, Pierce? This is like my stories. And then you found five dollars. No, I, or my food came, and I drank a glass of water, and then I went back to my hotel room. Oh, they lost money. Did your food ever come? Yes, yes, yes. It was fine. It it tastes like macaroni grill. Is whatever bullshit time. Oh my! I'm glad we heard about your ovens. You know what? We're gonna follow up for next time when I tell you how easily and hopefully how free my oven repair is. You know, also it was good that we waited off on uh on podcasting this. Held held off, yeah, mm-hmm. because there was a uh, twist to your oven story midweek that's right had we recorded after the first oven failure you'd only know about the first oven failure you wouldn't have you wouldn't have found out about the second one your follow-up would have been a resolution and a step backwards and a new problem that's right um yeah so hopefully uh maybe i'll get the other one repaired by myself and the one professionally fixed the woman i spoke to on the tuesday morning so tuesday morning i called bosch back she was very nice and uh um I don't remember that I got her name. We see we were willing to agree that the I had I guess I only I could only give her two dates that have to do with the oven. So she could I gave her the serial number or whatever she could figure out when it was manufactured. So I could tell her the day that I paid for it, which was before the day it was manufactured, and I could tell her the day that it was delivered to my house, but it was not the first day that it was plugged into power. Like, you know, it, it sat in the living room waiting to get installed in the kitchen for a week or two. The good news is that's why we think it's going to be under warranty. Yeah, I would have just gone with the day that I thought I plugged it in. Well, but I don't actually have that day. 
So, it, you know, I don't have any record of that. You know, they're not going to ask you for written proof on that. And the delivery date would probably be good enough. They'd probably like, whatever, two weeks, bullshit, whatever. Unless they... Yeah, so that's what we're going... We're going with the delivery date. Unless these ovens are all terrible and Bosch is trying to uh, recoup costs by screwing over their consumers, which I can't really imagine they do. Well, I mean, you know, as I as I think I joked when, um, you know, when I first told you it failed, I think that it's uh, likely to failness is inversely proportional to the amount of money you spend on it. So had it been a very simple, straightforward mechanical knob on off kind of deal i'm sure it would be just fine but because it's all fancy and uh whatnot it uh, that's what caused it to break at both of our houses we have you know think of generic electric range that's the uh, that's what we have in both places like okay with the with the little with the little snake coil with the glowing snake coil but it's slightly fancier because it's flush with the uh the fake window or whatever Okay, so it's sealed. Yeah, it's sealed. Yes. You can't you can't touch the snake. The snake is behind glass. That's right. We don't ha- we don't have to you know empty out the. We were just talking about this. The dust collector or like the food tray underneath the coil. <laughs> right, right. That's how my that my old uh, uh, stove was just like that. Yeah. I could not imagine what touching that would be feel like though. Not good. Uh, would it be any different from touching a hot pan? Like just heat the pan and touch it. It's the same. No, I think it is different because the same podcast, uh, Star Talk, they're talking about how photons don't start getting emitted from metal until they reach like a thousand degrees or something like that. So you figure if the coil and the stove is glowing, the pan is significantly less hot. Oh, okay. That's true. The stove, the pan does not glow red. It's not red hot. It's not red hot. And I guess the, uh, the heating element is. Yeah. I want a heating element that goes blue though. That'd be crazy. <laughs> Um, okay, well, so in my, uh, in the oven, it is now defunct, soon to be repaired for $11. Wait, wait, did you see like a ball of like uh ball lightning or whatever in the oven before? <laughs> there was no ball lightning, but the, the heating elements are enclosed in a, uh, a quartz, uh, tube, right? So there, uh, it's a metal coil inside a evacuated, uh, Tube. Does that provide the insulation for um, uh, shielding from the microwaves? Uh, no, this is the cat. This is the brevel. Oh, gotcha. This is the toaster oven. So it's the hard toaster to keep track. Oven, I know. If I, no, the um, the microwave oven has what looks like your regular oven heating element, and it's kind of crazy. You know how you're not supposed to put microwave metal in a microwave? Now all of your microwaves are metal on the inside, like a painted or enameled metal, but this thing has like. Stuff protruding into the oven cavity, like, you know, heating elements and stuff. Oh, I've burnt my hand on one of those before. Um, where I was working when I was in college, someone had recently used the heating element, and it was at the top of the uh, the microwave oven, just like hanging down from the bottom. And I reached in, and I touched... Not expecting that to be there. No, maybe, no. Right? Like, I was, it was just a clumsy thing. I was just reaching in to grab out what I, I don't even remember what I was doing. And the top of my uh, index finger touched the heating coil... And that was the first time I'd ever smelt burning flesh. Well, I think we know what it feels like to touch the stove then, Pierce. I think it's the same thing. Oh, it wasn't glowing, though. Oh, it was just leftover hot. It was leftover hot, yes. But it was hot enough to sizzle and, you know, immediately cauterize the burn. Like, get a third-degree burn, pop the blister, and then cauterize it. All in one all in one action. Yes, yes. Perfect. So you should try that. Uh, no, no, I'm good. Anyway, I interrupted your, your ball lightning story. Oh, there's, okay, there's no ball lightning. It's just that, uh, I don't even know why, why I'm saying it. Oh, maybe we were talking about how things are, you know, emit light when they're... Um, yes, when they're hot. When they're, when they're hot. So these heating elements, remember like, um, 
a floodlight that had like a quartz light bulb. Or, oh, remember the, the lamps you're not allowed to have in, co- in your dorm room anymore because people would put scarves on top of them and burn the, burn the room down? Yeah, like the 120-watt floodlight bulbs, right? Yes. Okay, so imagine a toaster oven has four, five of those, I think, in it. Two in the bottom, three in the top or something. But it's a quartz glass tube with the air evacuated or at least with the inert gas in it or something. And then a metal a no- uh, noble gas in there, perhaps, perhaps from the rightmost column on the... Uh, periodic table. Thank you. <laughs> and do you know that the columns of elements in the periodic table have similar properties? I do, but I'm also disturbed that they're not sorted alphabetically. Well, then that's a that's a naming problem. I, I don't care about their weights. I don't give a shit about that. Okay. So anyway, the point is that those get, those that I do get white hot, I guess, uh, different from the, what you look like in, uh, in the heating element that's like in open air inside the oven. Yeah. So that, that would be unpleasant to touch. I wouldn't want to touch that either. No. But I mean, you're not quite touching. You're touching the glass, which is, you know, very close to the uh, part that's hot. Yeah, I wonder how much actually heat difference is between the two. I would bet actually a fair amount. Not enough not to hurt you in any way, but, you know, percentage-wise, maybe 5%, something like that. Well, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure we could study black body radiation and figure out uh, the actual temperature based on the, the wavelength of the light emitted. But, you know, I, I have one of those... Um, uh, infrared uh, thermometer things. Yes, on your multimeter. You know, with the little laser to tell you what you're pointing it at. But I don't think that its um, its sensing area is small enough that I could actually point it at like one of these parts of the ovens and not just get the general oven, you know, area temperature, right? Like the focus of the sensor is probably not large enough. Yeah, it's probably just doing like a predator vision mm-hmm. average of the blob. Probably, yeah. And I think it does indicate in the documentation that, of course, the further away, the less, the more area you're averaging. What if, to what if you just touched it to the fire? Just immediately, like just throw it in while you get the most accurate. Well, it's, um, it's recessed into the, uh, you know, there's like a, a funnel, right? So it's not like to make sure that it's not getting radiation from the sides or whatever. So it only has the aperture for which uh, the infrared can get to it is only on the one side. It is interesting. I, I wonder, you know, I, I know infrared isn't really bound by optics, but the optics for emitting infrared surely plays a large well, part. Sure it is. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like any other electromagnetic wave. Yes. But like, uh, and I guess it's, it's at a, it's a, at a wavelength that it's, you know, uh, things that are opaque to visible light are probably also opaque to infrared light. Yeah. But like say a multimeter with the, a, a thermometer on it, they're not putting nice, optics on it to you know emit the infrared right well no hold on that's a that's a different issue so if you're using if you're using a multimeter with the uh thermometer attachment thermometer probe on it that's a thermocouple so that the voltage across the you know no i'm talking the, about the laser the, ones the device is going to change what okay but i'm not going to call that a multimeter no no i have a multimeter with a thermometer or like a laser thermometer on it oh you have a multimeter that has yet one more multi thing it can meter. That's right. It's Swiss Army multimeter. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, Pierce. Because what my experience with a multimeter is, it's got you know. Yeah, it has a probe. You can, like has like a turkey baster or a turkey probe. <laughs> if it's gonna have a thermometer method, it does have. It has a thermocouple and a probe. Yes, just like your I don't know any kind of digital thermometer you have in a kitchen. No, th- this one I bought specifically because it uh it had the laser thermometer on it. And I was also interested in measuring the continuity of everything. Just walk around. <laughs> not connected. Not connected. What, not a circuit. What, what, <laughs> uh, how many things beeped? What percentage of beeps did you get? Probably 5%. 
Like it was five percent beep. It was only the things that I thought should beep. Okay, that's good. Although I have experienced things that I thought should beep and should did not. Like when wiring up a, a new outlet. Okay. I have a random ground in the wall, just just not connected to anything. <laughs> um, so it's just a spare wire hanging out, going to nowhere. That that is right, including not ground. That's right, and I I had to dig into the insulation in the wall. Well, that's a good question. If uh, if you take a like a um, a hot wire somewhere and you measure the voltage from that hot wire to that to this random wire, do you get nothing? There's nothing. Or do you or do you get you know a hundred and 10 to 120 volts well no it, it got so there is it is not ground it is just floating No, there, it's floating so there was a voltage but it wasn't constant right so it's connected to something but not reliably and but there was also <laughs> not enough continuity for it to beep oh, well. i was like i do not understand try not to use that for anything pierce Maybe leave that alone. Uh, that's what I did. And Put some electrical tape on it to tell you not to touch it. I did that. And um, I wrapped it up and then I found the real ground somewhere else. So there was four wire, wires in the wall. Okay. Hopefully my house doesn't burn down. Well, I have an electrician if you, uh, if you want one. I can recommend. Running uh, a spare outlet for a wall-mounted TV. Very easy, but also makes me extremely nervous. This is what you've done in your, in your house here? Or your mountain house? I've done two here. Yeah. Like I have, you know, I'm in the bike room and I have a wall mounted TV and there's an outlet on the ground and I just ran. Oh, so you just had to, you just had to bring the power up the wall in the same stud bay. That's right. I just ran it in, you know, in uh, parallel to the outlet below and just ran a Rumex cable up to it and pulled an outlet out and put a USB. Good job. Yeah. No, but uh, well, I think I probably broke fire code doing it. I don't think you're really supposed to do it's an external wall. I think there's a rule saying don't add more outlets on external walls. I, I, I don't know anything about that. I think technically that's something you have to get a inspection for, but Oh. Well, I don't I don't know what the rule is on like how how much you have to do before it uh before it would require an inspection. Uh hopefully inspectors don't listen to this, but uh if it were ever an issue, I just take the wall plate off, get some drywall and like cap and just them leave off. those damn wires in a wall. That that I mean, that's worse, Pierce. That's a surprise. No, I'll leave a treasure map of how to like, reacquire the uh, the cables. Um, I guess you know when uh, when I did the renovation, I uh, I buried some telephone and coaxial outlets in the wall that I wasn't using. I've done that too. And and I did take pictures, including a tape measurement. Like I was holding the tape measure from the corner out to the outlet or whatever, and took a picture so that um, in the future, if somebody wanted to uncover those, they could. Uh, they could know where to dig. I'm going to have to send you a photo tomorrow. You'll have to remind me, though. On the deck at our other house, there is an outdoor telephone outlet that's been puttied over. So you can't stick a, like a, you know, RJ422 jack into it. RJ11. RJ11. What is the 422? I, I don't know. RJ45 is what you're thinking of for Ethernet. RJ11 is telephone. Anyway, telephone cable. Because it's been filled with putty and painted over it. And it's on the outside of the house. So why would there be an outside phone outlet? In case you were out on the porch and wanted to, you know, take some calls. In an extremely small house in a world where cordless telephones exist? Well, perhaps the house predates cordless telephones. Or maybe somebody wanted a better, you know, call quality. Or they wanted uh, more pri- improved privacy. They didn't trust the... Uh, they had one of those... 50 foot cordly, uh, 50 foot curly cords on their DSL modem. 
<laughs> and they put it outside, and then they and then they uh, and they put the computer inside. That doesn't make any sense, Pierce. I think it was just no. It's before Wi-Fi. It's before Wi-Fi. So they just, you what well, you move the modem around. Yes. <laughs> you didn't drag an Ethernet cable from the modem to wherever you were. You moved the modem to different phone That's jacks right, around the house because your Ethernet cable is only six feet. Mm-hmm. They're very expensive. Right. But but your telephone cable could be infinitely long. Well, fifty feet curly. <laughs> Oh, I sent a message to Mary about the phone jack, and she doesn't know what I'm talking about. She's never been out. Oh, on the deck. what do you what do you think what do you think she said back to me? I don't know what did she said. Person, woman, man, camera, TV. Yes. <laughs> Is this still the show, Dave? Um, I think it might. We might have drifted into the after show. We're in the after show, or we're at least headed that way. All right. Well, well, thanks everybody. I think um, this is uh, episode zero 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 five. Uh, and you can find the show notes for this episode. Our sixth episode. Correct, our sixth episode. And you can find the show notes to this program at the-podcast.org. Dot gov. Because dot org. Dot io. Uh, we looked at dot io. We didn't get dot You're just it. buying all the domains now. I'm just buying them all. I have to buy them all now. Dot fm. Give Pierce your money dot com. Yes. All right. Bye, Dave. All right. Bye, Pierce.